Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to Shop Talk Show this week. We have two sponsors this week. Environments for Humans, our longtime sponsor. Uh, we're promoting for them right now the Responsive Web Design Summit, which is an online conference, April 16th through 18th. Check that out at rwdsummit.com. <coughs> Excuse me. And a brand new sponsor, one that's very near and dear to my heart because I used to work there, Wufu at Wufu.com. W-U-F-O-O, you know, like the Wu-Tang and the Foo Fighters, obviously. Uh, the world's best online form builder. So check them out at Wufu.com. I'll tell you about them later in the show. But for now, let's kick things off. Hello, dear listener, and welcome to the Shop Talk Show, a sound effects podcast all about web design and development. I'm Dave Rupert, and with me is Chris Coyer. Hi, everybody. And Chris, why is today so special? Oh, it's really special because it's a rapid fire. Awesome. Rapid fire shows are where we answer as many listener questions as we possibly can in our hour allotment that we put for this so no guests no drama no links just as many questions as we can get we're actually going to do something a little special this time on rapid fire sometimes we're like oh we're gonna do a rapid fire show no guests no drama and then we end up doing like four questions just wow. like we would have anyway uh usually it's better than that <laughs> usually it's better than that but usually it's not that much better than that we have 15 here we're going to try and get through all of them. what i've done is i just have my little phone in front of me and i'm going to click the go button with the timer and hopefully it you know at, if it hits three minutes it's going to make some annoying sound and we're just going to stop we're not even going to finish our thoughts and we're going to move on to the next question which might be a little rude or abrupt we're going to see how it goes we have no, we have not even practiced this at all uh, but the, the idea is just so that we can for sure get through 15 of these, hopefully. <laughs> oh, and then it, let us know in the comments if you enjoyed that or not, or if this was obnoxious, but yeah, we need your feedback. So question number one, uh, it's an audio question. So after I read the question, then and I'm going to hit the button. You're hitting the button. Yep. Okay, here we go. Hey guys, quick question. Uh, what, what should come first, JavaScript or jQuery? Seems like a lot of people say that, well, you have to learn JavaScript first or else you miss half the party. Uh, largely don't really see much utility for what I do, you know, in knowing straight JavaScript, but jQuery though seems to be much more useful. Is it basically a stepping stone process or should I just jump for a jQuery first? Thanks. JavaScript or jQuery first, Chris? Uh, I learned jQuery first, and I, I, I'm happy with my choice. I feel like it made me very made me be able to do more powerful things right away. It's kind of like if you're learning guitar, you go right for a song because then you like you actually did something, and it gives you the enthusiasm to learn more. Whereas if you just learn JavaScript first, that's fine. That's fundamentals, and I can see how that's awesome. But it's like, eh, it's like it could be a little boring at first. Like I don't want to learn about arrays. I want to make a cool thing animate. Yeah, I agree. I would say. You go jQuery because if you know CSS, you're like halfway there with jQuery. Uh, you just select stuff and do stuff to those selections. 
my only other thing would be you can use JavaScript inside jQuery. Oh my God. <laughs> it just works. So I would just go with jQuery. But that said, I mean, I'm, I'm now, I did that and now I'm going back through and trying to pick up all the spare bits of JavaScript I haven't learned. Like, Hey, there's this class called math and it has a bunch of functions in it that are really helpful. So, you know, there's, there's kind of these built-in libraries to JavaScript that you miss out on if you just enter from jQuery. And that's a good point. Yeah. Uh, my, you know, my point extended is kind of like what, if you're learning CSS at first, you could sit down and read a really boring book about the box model, or you could, you know, jump into altering a design that's already there and you'll just have a lot more fun doing it that way. So yeah, just because you jump into jQuery doesn't mean you're, you know, jQuery is JavaScript, like Dave said, so you can use natural JavaScript in there and just kind of be aware when you are, I guess, or, or, you know, I don't know. We're just, I, if you, if you try straight JavaScript, your first time you're going to mess up because there's all these weird inconsistencies between all the browsers ever and jQuery normalizes all those. So it's also saves you headaches in my yeah, opinion. You'll have more fun in jQuery land. I can see the other side of this argument. So maybe it'd be interesting to have somebody who very strongly disagrees with me or Dave on the show sometime. But for now, let's just do the next question. I guess. Next question. You want to read it? Scott Little asks, quick question for Dave, the master of awesomely useful jQuery plugins, Rupert. <laughs> That's <laughs> my Christian name, yeah. <laughs> if, I, if I individually minify a JS slash jQuery file through CodeKit, so CodeKit has this ability to, I don't even know if Dave uses CodeKit, but maybe, at least he's mm -hmm. aware of it. Mm -hmm. If you hit save, CodeKit will look at that, that jQuery file and minify it for you if that's how you have set it up. Then link to the site, it works fine. So the minified version works fine. But if I use CodeKit to concatenate them together, which uh, CodeKit can also do, they can squish them together while it's minifying, uh, and link then link the concatenated slash minified file, it never works. The console will throw back all these errors. An example is yada, yada, yada. The point is uh, he's, he's trying to use both fit vids and fixed text. And if, they, if he minifies them each individually and links them on the page, they work fine. But as soon as he's concatenated them together, it doesn't work. So what could be the problem there? Start. Uh, all right. So there's two things that could be the problem. I think, um, number one is execution order or number two, I made a mistake. So let's assume it's number one because I never make mistakes. I'll be darned. And, uh, so number one is execution order. When you're using like those prepend and append functions, you know, it, it's got to go in order. It's got to go jQuery, then either fit text or fit viz, it doesn't matter. And then your execution scripts, like those, those have to go in order of execution. Um, that's a very common thing that goes wrong, especially on the, uh, fit vids forums and the fit text forums is all these people will write in and say, it doesn't work, you know, on my site. And it's like, well, uh, you're not in the right order. Uh, on top of that, it could be if you're on WordPress, which is a total possibility, you know, WordPress has these no conflict things. So you got to be careful about that as well. Um, let's assume I made a problem or I, I did something wrong. This is totally possible. Uh, chances are my code might not be hinting. I just went through FitVids very recently and made sure it would hint appropriately and pass JS hinting. Uh, and I'm pretty sure it passes JS lint as well, but that, that might be a problem too. Is it, it's not, getting it through Croc's J Douglas Crockford's JS minify. 
or JS Min library. Um, but I I currently don't have Maybe, problems with that. Maybe, but he said that, it works so. both minify. If he minifies them alone, it works. That really hints at the execution order being incorrect. That's what I think. Is if it's it's probably the execution order, and it's if you open Web Inspector Console, it might say something like. I don't have jQuery or some, or that's not a function. Object object does not have function. That's a hint that it's an execution order. Yep. Um, and uh, if it's not, if, 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 if you're pretty sure your execution order is correct and it's something wrong with it, you should just make a little test case, mm-hmm. you know, make a little folder and zip it up and throw it in the forums at fitfigs or fittext and, uh, and just, you know, prove it or whatever. Yeah, totally. And and if you found out like my thing, my file doesn't, or the library doesn't pass JS hint or something like that. Uh, when like, just save a, save that file in uh code kit and, and hit save and it'll run it through JS hint. Um, it, there may be a semicolon missing and that's throwing everything off. And so post that feedback or help us out and put a commit back into the system. So, cool. cool. Boom. Next question. Uh, Eric Maceo writes in. Uh, I was curious if you know any good WordPress themes or plugins I can use to make WordPress use Ajax to handle the loading of new content. For example, if I'm visiting an arcade archive page and want to visit a single post, the data for that single post would be pulled in via Ajax call in an Ajax call. And then the URI or URL would be updated using the hash bang notation. Uh, Similar behavior for pagination would be great as well. Chris? Yeah, there's actually a screencast on CSS tricks about, about Ajaxifying a WordPress theme. So an Ajax call, as we know, is just you 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 request from a URL. You say, I want to request css-tricks.com slash blog post. And what will come back is just the entire HTML page, all the entire contents of that page will come back from that Ajax call. Or whatever that, that URL naturally returns, you know, when you visit in a browser, you know, all you know, this is it gets more complicated than this. It will just return on that Ajax call. What's cool about jQuery is if you're using jQuery, you can say, I want all that stuff. And then after the end of the URL, you put space and then a CSS selector. It will like, it will like trim down what it's given back to you to just the content that it got back in that CSS selector. So you could just be like, I want to Ajax call this page slash blog post and then just the content that's in slash main content and then replace, you know, then, then, you know, the, the, just use jQuery to place the main content area, like replace the content that's in the current main content area. So you can just like, you know, make it a, <laughs> find all internal links on the page. When you mm-hmm. click it, make this Ajax call for the, for the href that's in that link and replace the main content area. It's pretty simple. Like in theory, you can write that in just a few lines of code uh, to do it really efficiently. Uh, there's a little more to it. You know, you might want to have the Ajax request only return the content. So there's not a lot as much content moving across the pipes. Mm-hmm. Um, right away, Eric, you mentioned the hash bang notation. You don't really have to go there these days. Uh, a lot of browsers just support using the, the HTML5 history API. So you can just straight up change the, uh, the, the URL in the browser and it will 
you know, it'll just change. Mm-hmm. It doesn't refresh the page like it used to back in the day. That's what that's where Hashbang came from is that you could change the hash and it wouldn't refresh the page. But you can't change the URL or no matter what the page would refresh. And that's what you're trying to avoid. Uh, that was just kind of a sucky time. <laughs> mm-hmm. We're kind of past that now, uh, and you can use the HTML5 history API to just straight up change the the browser window. So I'll put a few links in the show notes on my screencasts on it and the all Ajax WordPress theme that I put out at one time that has all this stuff built in if you want to look at some example code. Yeah, there's also this thing called PJAX. It's a library that uh, GitHub built. So check that out, PJAX. And it's nice. built. It's designed for Rails, but uh, people have started porting it over to WordPress. So it, it could be just as simple as adding a plugin now. So Nice. Yeah, pretty cool. I don't know, because um, how does how would it know what to replace exactly and what not to replace if it's just a plugin? I guess it may operate off a class or something. Sure, you like, just give it like one class name or class. Don't ever pjax or something. Kaboom! <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> so, all right, all right. Next question. You want to read it? Chris? Sure. Chris Friends asks. I use open source software. I can't afford to purchase software at the moment. And I am creating data on LibreOffice Calc. Uh, I also use Microsoft Excel. So that's so. I think those are both just spreadsheet softwares. And, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, how can I transform these tables to clean, you know, so the tables that you're making in this spreadsheet software into clean HTML, you know, table tags, TH tags, TR tags, TD tags. Or how can I clean the cluttered HTML that these programs produce when exporting to HTML? I actually didn't even know Excel had export to HTML. Maybe LibreOffice does, but I think it does. It's pretty rough, rough stuff. <laughs> it's pretty rough. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so how do you make a, a spreadsheet file into HTML? <laughs> I'm not the even... hard way, man. Find and replace, and no. Uh, <laughs> Chris, you have a link here. I just googled like Excel to to uh html and it and mm-hmm. one came up that was tableizer.journalistopia.com mm-hmm. and it seemed fine it seemed like you paste you know you kind of copy and paste out of excel which will give you like either comma separated or space separated values and this little app just kind of digests that and turns it into table mm-hmm. markup i mean at some point you're going to have to probably do some work you know like like decide what what's a table header and what's not and give it classes if need be and such i mean i'm not sure you're going to get out of this without doing any work at all but yeah. at least you can it's fairly easy to get spreadsheets into html format it's not that hard you know yeah i think exporting a csv is going to be your friend there um that's kind of the first step is export those. And then, you know, there's PHP libraries that will convert that. You just point some PHP at an Excel file and it'll, or a CSV file and it'll spit out a table and stuff like that. Um, this, this is maybe getting off topic, but I've often wondered why HTML doesn't have a CSV element that's only data or something like that, or data type equals CSV or something like that. Um, that auto styles a table out of the CSV. I think that would be a pretty cool tiny jQuery plugin. Somebody. Whoa. Wouldn't that be radical? Yeah. That's the so kind of thing where there's just going to be 700,000 issue, like feature requests for it though. And you're going to be sure, like, oh, like, great. I need sorting on my table. Can you turn off issues on GitHub? You freaking <laughs> <laughs> Uh I just think that would be the, 
baddest it's a good idea. thing, right? Like yeah. Just like just copy. So then you're just pasting data in, into the the file, you know, and that may have minification problems. I realize, but yeah, you know. I don't know. I wonder if it fits in the like grand scheme of HTML though. Like, like what if you want to target something on the inside of it that you, it would be hard to, you know, or would there be some like different CSS syntax for select the first, you know, row oh. and like. I don't know. And then and then be like, what's why don't you just use a pre tag? That's pre formatted text. That's basically what that I don't know. Yeah. I don't mean to shoot it down. It's a it's a clever idea because HTML should me. be helping us, you know, with the stuff that we want to do. So. Right. Well, and it's like data, right? Like you the web should be about sharing data. So if I post ten cells of data, anyone should be able to be like, Cool, copy that. Yep. Or something. Anyway. All right. I'm gonna hopefully that helped you out. Uh I would just there's plenty of tools, Chris, so good luck out there. Next question. Mark Pagao. I'm <laughs> All right. I was wondering what your favorite programs to develop in are. I'm in, in college I always use Notepad Plus Plus and at my current job I use Dreamweaver CS5, not the WYSIWYG I hand code. Uh the reason I like them is because of the FTP is right there, which makes it easy to work on multiple sites and pages. I am always looking for new tools to add to my tool belt, so I figured I would ask which ones you find the best. Do you have a favorite one, Chris? Uh, he's just asking us what our favorite code editing program is. Uh, that mm. changes from time to time. I was, you know, a long time Coda fan, and then I switched to TextMate, and now I really like Sublime Text too. Although, because I've switched so many times, and because I've seen so many other developers do great work in whatever they pick in, you know, I know guys that kill it in Vim. You know, that's like a holy war, or whatever. Me, Chris Coyer, today I like Sublime Text. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm the same in the same boat, uh, sublime text. And then actually on my PC, I'm using visual studio a lot. Um, that's good. That's very expensive software though. Um, really, but, they don't give away their dev environment on Microsoft. Well, to certain people, but yeah. some, some people will have to pay for it. Most people have to pay for it. And it's like a thousand dollar software or something, but wow. it's super real. It's super robust and made for like building apps and stuff like that. So yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, I guess that's... Xcode isn't free anymore either, but it's like twenty bucks. Yeah, yeah. They kind of yeah, exactly. So I, it's the equivalent. It's the Xcode for Microsoft. So I would. Uh, I was gonna say yeah, Sublime Text Two with CodeKit running my preprocessors. That's how I roll. So right nice. now, oh, I you may do use CodeKit. I do. I may switch to Grunt though. And and I need to just get over my list of shame and get over there because um, I want to start looking into backbone and stuff like that. And then I want to like also uh, start using require JS and stuff like that. And CodeKit has its own way to, we talked about it earlier, the append and prepend and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, but I want to start using require because A, it's a, it's a real thing that real people use, I guess. Not everyone uses CodeKit. Right. Um, and so, and Grunt would be the 
best way to probably start building right because does it grunt kind of like would come along with the repo right so as long yeah exactly that's the thing so i'm on the on uh, we use the rails asset pipeline on codepen now moved entirely over to it it was like little steps but it's kind of nice now because before only really i could mess with the css and that's kind of how i want it anyway but if these guys should the the people that i work with should be able to make a css change if they want to but now Mm -hmm. that we're on that now code kit isn't watching that file anymore it's just when you refresh the page all the stuff runs that does all the pre-processing stuff so mm-hmm. it just works you know it's just it's just nice and it keeps all the css and js files out of the uh out of the repo you know it's just... right anyway right. it's pretty nice i still use CodeKit for like everything else but i kind of see the value in having pre-processing stuff kind of baked into the project i, I think the second grunt has like a gui it'll kind of own all of those because you can like with grunt you can actually fire off you know, uh, your compass. Oh, all right. Next. Next question. Um, uh, Noel McGlitchy. Glitchy. Nailed it. <laughs> My question regards Google Analytics and what you would consider to be a good starting point for getting the most out of this tool. Also, if you use it, does it play a big part in the upkeep of your website? So how do you get the most out of it and... Does it, do we use it for upkeep? Uh, so for me, I use Google Analytics. I put it on every site and I kind of just poke around. I really only use the main screens, like the the hits and page views and top content. That's really like what I use it for the most part. There is this thing, a website made by Google called conversionuniversity.com. And that'll point you to these Google Analytics lessons. And my, the only reason I know about this, I'm not an SEO wizard or anything like that, but my brother, he, he's actually, he works at, does front end at a shop, but he just has, he got certified through this conversion university thing by Google, uh, to like basically run advanced campaigns and stuff like that. So that it's you, the information's free until you take the test. So there's like an actual test you pay, I don't know let's say $200 to pass. And then you have a little certificate that says you're a certified analytics wizard. Hey, that's my answer. That's pretty cool. I'm going to actually sit through the course one of these days, I think. And just so I, I just so I have that knowledge, but I'd have, can you do it online? I would do it. Yeah, totally. It's all online. So, Oh, it's just like a video. Yeah. You watch like 10 videos or something like that. So, yeah. Uh, just because I, I don't know that much about it either, but it, it clearly is a very powerful tool. One, I would say it's kind of a no brainer to put on every, every website you ever do. You know, it's, 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 it's async, it's no speed problem, and it gives you just tons of robust data about your site. So for sure, use it, obviously, on everything. Uh, the second point is don't just go, like, I feel like going in and just browsing your analytics just to see if there's anything actionable you can do is usually, you know, forgive me, but a little bit of a fool's errand. Like, it's just going to support you. What you should do is like have a, have a postulate that you're going in there. Like, if I go look at data and the data suggests this, I'm going to do this. And if I go in there and look at the data and, and it suggests something else, I'm going to do something else, you know, rather than just going in there and poking around and being like, well, I guess this is popular. So, I guess I should do more of that. Like that doesn't uh, like just going in there and poking around whatever data you see is going to support what you see. You know, mm-hmm. you really have to approach it philosophically a little different. I think than just poking around can actually hurt you. I think. 
Uh, yeah, another thing I should mention that I just kind of found out about, which is obvious, I'm sure, to a lot of people, but there's a very – once you have Google Analytics on your page, there's a very easy way to track events. You can just use this track event function. So like if you have an app like CodePen is, you can be like, I wonder if people are using this new uh, feature we put in. Well, it's about one line of code to attach a click event to an event, and you can just say, well, I'm just going to start tracking that now. That's very powerful, and I would recommend that. So in the upkeep of our site, if we're going to decide whether we're going to keep or kill a feature – Tracking events is huge. That's cool. I do. Oh, sorry. Love you, timer. All right. Next question. Tabs or spaces? Enrique. Enrique de Larazabal. Uh, you go first. I am two spaces. Do you really? I'm two spaces for real. Me too. I'm what about two spaces? That's too weird, though, because uh, normally everybody I know has we disagree at least at least if it's not tabs versus spaces at least it's how many yeah i have a project where uh four spaces is being enforced Mm -hmm. and i could be convinced to go that way to be honest because because there's quite a bit of yeah i mean two spaces i don't know i you can mess it up like your indentation four spaces is very clear it's very bold so. it's like this is very indented from this yeah yeah i could see that but you can't go three because that's too oddball weird nobody does it so why pick it you know no odd numbers it's either no two or numbers. four yeah and it's either tabs I, or spaces i you know i know leah leah veru is like hardcore and tabs and she has some some posts on it that really makes sense it's like well let's say if you like tabs then you can control how how wide a tab is so if you like two you can make it two and if you like it four it can be four and you don't have to enforce that you know it doesn't have to be a project-wide setting it can be a personal setting which makes sense yeah except it it's so easy to mix tabs and spaces, you know? Right. I don't know. know. Yeah. Like if you make the decision to go all spaces, it will be consistent for everyone. It's, it's harder to, it's easier to not make mistakes if you go spaces. Right. Yeah. I think spaces. And, and here's another argument possibly for four is when you do a variable in JavaScript, you're like var pizza, and then you can just hit comma and start typing another var, but you usually want it on a different line. So you remember it. Uh, four spaces would be like var plus a space character. Ah, eh? think about it. You blew my right. mind a little bit. Uh, what here? I, I have just a question for you because I let's say if you're in if you like you're you're rocking a two space project in some uh-huh. text and you get a file and it's clearly is in four space land. For most part, like Sublime Text is really powerful at you know just that thing in the bottom right for switching between what mm-hmm. your uh, you know use spaces or tabs and how wide. It's like really good at it. But like I've never I haven't found a good way to convert from a four space file to a two space file. Like tabs and spaces is easy, but I'm constantly fighting this. Anyway, you don't know of a good way. No, I don't. And I just ran, I was running into that yesterday. So darn it. Um, Yeah, I don't. There might be, I want to say there's this thing. Come on, get to it. (laughs) Tools. There is something that's got, and and if there's not something built in, there's definitely some kind of package or whatever, but we're running out of seconds. (sighs) Ah, shoot, I'm running out. I'm okay. Let it go. All right. <laughs> next. The next two question. of these are related. All right, let's read them together. <laughs> no, the... read them separate. Okay. 
No. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Uh, they're both from younger developers. Uh, Connor Haining is one of them. Chris, a few weeks back, you posted an article by a 14-year-old web developer, Alan Lawson. I did that. Was, this isn't even a few weeks ago at this point. It's like <laughs> closer to a year, or maybe not a year, many months ago. Uh, and I really did that. Is there? What is your guys' opinion of this upcoming bunch of young developers? And they, can they be taken seriously in the field? Myself, also 14, recently submitted an article to NetToots. I'm... Uh, I, I am curious to see the community's response to the fresh-minded people. I like calling yourselves the fresh-minded people. Yeah, that's good. Mm-hmm. Nice branding. So, um, what do we think? Like, like yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know what Connor's exactly asking here, but he's just like, can can these four, can if you're 14, can you be taken seriously in the dev community? I I think you can. You know, I think there's a lot of smart people. I do think though there is there's something that comes with experience, you know, and it's, it's like you've whatever been burned for thousands of dollars or something. And so you have this like jaded edge and you're very realistic, not just super optimistic or something. I, I, there is like this, I don't, I want to call it like a salt or something that comes with being a bit older and having a few more years under your belt. That said, I mean, dude, I mean, whiz kid wonderkins all the time man and and don't like obviously don't sell yourself short for any reason um but at the same time like careful i i mean don't don't assume you're 14 when you're a teenager you know everything you're like i know everything about everything so i mean I'll maybe check yourself. That's all I'd say. I, I agree with that too. I have seen, seen younger developers. I'm not saying this about you, Connor or Alan. Um, but there is the, the, uh, like, for lack of a better word, a cockiness to it. That's just like, Whoa, there tiger. Shuttle down now, you know, like, like not trying to, I'm not trying to put you in your place or anything, but it's just, it doesn't like a, a degree of humbleness is actually kind of a learned, adult feature and uh and, it's refreshing uh, you know. to us older types <laughs> <laughs> there's nothing wrong with that you know like like the like the more you know the more you know the less you know or whatever there's probably some kind of saying baked into that uh you know what i mean though but but keep on keeping on man you're i mean clearly you're killing it and alan's killing it and i published this article on css tricks not because i was trying to throw a bone to a younger guy but uh that he just did a pretty good job with this guest post and i was happy to post about it you know mm-hmm. uh so so rock and roll if you get the, your article on net toots rock and roll keep writing them man keep getting better at what you do of course we support you uh just because you're young it's no big deal also- also, listen to the Young Guns podcast. It's a really good podcast about people uh, sub twenty two ish. So there's some more good points to this that come up in in Alan's question. So let's you do Alan's question next, so we can keep talking about this for a minute. Cool. Next, Alan Lawson, the guy we were talking about, writes in says, "Lately, there's been some scuff about young developers. Ah, oh, uh, basically because of my age, I'm not as fit, quote unquote, to do a UI job than say someone who is older." I understand hiring a 14-year-old for your business is risky, but seriously, common. Uh, just wanted to hear your opinion on this. So I'm going to hit the button here. This is um, 
different because it's about hiring someone. You know, hiring. like I'm paying you now, Alan, to work on my website for me. You must understand that 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 would be a little risky for a very large company to do. I mean, like it or not, even if you're amazing, and I'm sure that you are. Like <laughs> this is ridiculous, but you live at your parents' house. They could they could ground you and take your internet away, and then where the hell am I? You know. That's, you know, like, yeah. you know, that's yeah. just, it's just a little weird. Another important concern about this is, and I just went through it because I was doing all the terms of service stuff for, for CodePen. We have a terms of service on CodePen. If you sign up for it, you have to be 18. And that's a bummer. I don't want to, I don't want to keep you from contributing to CodePen, Alan. I'd love to have you there, but we need those terms of service to be binding to the law. We need them to say, if you use the site, you are agreeing to these terms of service, right? In order to be a company, otherwise we're open to all kinds of legal problems. You, that contract is invalid, even if you say yes to it, unless you're 18 years old. So we just have to put that in there. We Our hands are tied. That same kind of thing is, you, you're because you're not 18 yet, It is any contract with you is invalid. And, 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 and people need, you know, designers, we advocate it all the time on the show. They have to have a contract with people you hire to do work for you. It's irresponsible not to. And the fact that you can't by law sign a contract, that's a problem. Yeah. Um, I would say, so my first job when I was, uh, 15 or 16 was at McDonald's and it was risky for them to hire me at McDonald's, you know, cause I'm just like a 15 year old kid. Chances of me like falling into a vat of grease was really high. Um, but like they hired me anyway. Uh, I, I, I guess I'm just saying like, there's, there's like an inherent risk of hiring somebody who's young and I guess somewhat inexperienced, but then there's also the perceptive risk, which is maybe what you're coming up against. You know, I, I mean, it, it would be weird, you know, you bring in your UI designer to a meeting, uh, but maybe you can't come into a meeting because you're at school or something like that. That would be weird um, to explain to a client. Um, then there's also like you, if you went into a meeting and it's like you're 40 or 50 years younger than the client, that might be the client might feel uneasy or something like that. These are, I mean, these are the same problems that older people in our profession experience. You know, the, oh, he's too old. I don't think he knows anything about modern web, you know, stuff. So, ugh, I mean, I feel for you. I, it's tough, but I would, uh, there is kind of this inherent risk, but I, I think there are shops out there who will hire or at least will let you freelance for them. Um, don't be so, discouraged. Yeah. I mean, maybe freelancing is your, your way out. Yeah. Stupid series. All right. <laughs> <laughs> well, now I'm picturing Siri as this woman with this, her mouth wide open, just making that creepy sound. That's good. All right. Next question, Eric Steinborn. What do you guys recommend for an ad management service? As in, I'm looking to take out ads for my uncle's website, and I was hoping to have a third party manage it for me and bill him once a month or so. Pretty interesting question. So you want, you're not trying to sell ads on your uncle's site. You're trying to buy ads for your uncle's site. And you're hoping to, I don't know, get those ads onto a variety of different sites, I imagine, or whatever whatever is recommended by, by you know, you're hoping to have an intermediary service do this. You're not looking to go to that go to websites and be like, hey, buddy, can I pay you fifty bucks to put a display on it for me? You want to use a third party to do it. Let's uh, say his uncle owns a boxing gym yeah. and he wants this boxing gym ad to show up on sites across 
the internet. Well, there's a reason Google's the number one tech company in there, you know, makes the most money, I think. Anyway, they're a huge ass tech company. Uh, you go to Google AdSense and you buy search terms for boxing gym, uh, and that's the third party. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that's probably the most common possible thing you can do. And as a matter of fact, when I hear people try to use it and, and then compare it to other things, it often does pretty darn well. Mm-hmm. So you're going to get some bang for your buck out of AdSense comparatively. I'm not sure what else to tell you, though, as far as like places to go buy placements at. Do you even know of anything else? Yeah, I don't know. I, it sounds like he wants like a broker, you know, like he, he wants a guy to like, you know, work his ads and then say like, hey, I got this ad, but it costs $1,200. You want me to do it or something like that? I think most ads on the Internet, Google AdWords, buy sell ads uh fusion ads or i'm just, these are all those are kind of all web techy stuff but like those ads all kind of work around you have a budget you're paying for x number of impressions how much do you want to spend um facebook ads would be another one you can do um it is you set a budget and it'll tell you you ran out of budget peace out yeah so i'm not sure if there's any anything other than those big names that dave mentioned uh, in the, if this was a tech company, I would tell you to go to buy sell ads just because that's exactly what you're looking for. It's this big marketplace. You can browse around, try to find websites that match, you know, what you're trying to sell, what, what your budget is, and you kind of deal with it yourself. And then you can pass those costs on to your uncle. But I don't know if I have anything like buy sell ads for the entire world, <laughs> you know, like yeah. I think AdSense is your best, your best bet there. Mm-hmm. Well, and another thing he could do is go find websites he visits, like that are in his industry, the boxing gym industry. Ask your uncle too. Yeah. And like go visit those websites in his industry and like view their ad provider. It's probably like double click, which is Google and, you know, figure that out. Or contact if they don't have anything on them, which is ideal. You can be like, you know, offer them 50 bucks for an ad and see if they bite, you know? Yeah. I mean, you could get a smoking deal. I mean, you know, for, cause I, ugh, yeah, I run a lot of indie blogs and like any indie blogger would be like, yes, I'll take your money. So even if it's for 10 bucks, there you go. Gary Davison asks page speed is a hot topic right now, especially within the studio where I work. My question is what is the ideal page weight that a mobile website should be? I know there are many factors such as network speeds, you know, like 3d edge or whatever. 3G, uh, uh, but is there an, uh, a page weight that we should aspire to get our websites to for the best results, Dave? Mm, I, you know, I, there's been a lot of talk about performance budgets from the future friendly ish crowd. Um, I, I would look into those posts. Uh, I don't, there's not a best thing, but the average page weight right now is 1.2 megabytes, which is, is that right? effing giant dude i mean that's like an mp3 even that's, for mobile or is this where did even that for from? mobile um i think luke Rablowski posted mm-hmm. on it so um yeah so we gotta shave this down a lot a lot a lot i i'm uh, maybe we were talking about it, chris but i like the idea of maybe just setting an arbitrary like 500 kilobyte weight and just saying like hell or high water this is it oh like, i love that 
that's the Tim Cadillac performance budget thing. I'm not I, like that's where I first heard about it. I think he's you know a champion for it. If he didn't actually invent it, I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Um, let me do a fresh. I want to do CSS tricks, which I'm sure is a little bit of an offender at this. It's not 1.2 megabytes though. Ooh, shoot! It's just it's just under a megabyte though. Ugh, a little high, especially on. I'd like to really trim that on mobile because you have the right idea there, um, 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 Gary. That you that you should. That mobile is tends to be a little slower. It does, it does, you know. I know this is up in the air, and people debate this and stuff. But having your website be smaller on for the smaller screen version is smart, you know. Period. Mm-hmm. period. So uh, you're seven forty k on on mobile, Chris. Is that right? I don't know what you did there. You got a picture, Phil. <laughs> mm-hmm. But what's anyway. interesting is it's it's very well cached. I mean, the second request here is twenty six k. For a thousand, like the, like it's it's caches everything, mm-hmm. and it's CDN, yeah. and there's other factors here. It's page weight isn't the only factor for speed, certainly, but it's certainly one to consider. Um, gosh, I had something important to say. Let's just throw out some numbers, though, Gary. If what if what if you said a hundred k? What is your website like? Could you get your website to a hundred k? If you could, that would be sweet because a hundred k is is would be wicked fast, wouldn't it? Mm-hmm. Can you mm-hmm. get it there, Gary? Can you do it? If you can't, why not? What's the biggest thing on that site? Can you get it to 200? Do you do you need 500? If you need 1.2 megabytes, that's too heavy. You got to mm-hmm. get down from that. So let's just say, Gary, can you get it to 100K? Can you do it? Can you take the shop talk challenge? I like the, uh, yeah. I think six, six to 800K in a real world, this is a marketing website scenario. You're doing pretty good. And obviously leverage all the caching so that any sub subsequent visits are super fast. That would be the best thing you could do. All right. Shop talk challenge. Next question. Uh, can you please talk about handling CSS? This is from William Hernandez, by the way. Uh, can you please talk about handling CSS three with internet Explorer seven, eight and nine on the show? Can you also tell us if you, uh, use or what do you think about CSS three pie or other similar, i.e. CSS three polyvels? Chris, mm, I've, you know what? I've heard of CSS three pie a million times, right? It's kind of the default answer to what about x css3 feature in ie somebody's always like css3 pi exclamation point it became kind of the default answer for that and it you know made it into a lot of i don't know conference presentations and stuff i've actually never used it i've never worked on a project where i've used css3 pi i'm sure it's a cool project i'm just saying i can't really speak to it it certainly adds some weight to the site. So if you're mm-hmm. worried about weight, you know, but you, what you would do then is kind of like detect Internet Explorer 7, 8, or 9, which you can do in conditional comments and only load Pi if it's on one of those. So it's only increasing the weight of the page for those browsers. The great irony always being that those, are, you, know, those you know, especially like Internet Explorer 7, um, is a, just a slower browser anyway. So you're shoveling mm-hmm. weight on what is already a slower browser, which is a bummer. Yeah. I never could get CSS three Pi to work, and maybe I'm an idiot. But I'm pretty good, but uh, I never it never worked for me in the right way. Um, so IE seven and eight, I I, I want to break that apart from IE nine. IE nine is actually pretty good, and it has a lot of CSS three. The only CSS three it doesn't really have are animations, transitions, and text shadow. Those would be like the main three things it doesn't have. Gradient syntax. And gradients and text. 
fake with filters, which is bad, but it's better to use SVG. But anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So like background gradients and stuff like that. So, um, I, I am a fan of progressive enhancement. Just let it be flat. Just let it degrade. And so, and, and build up, you know, don't, don't build for the best Chrome 9,000, like, like build in the mindset that this will probably fall apart. And sure. So that's, so that's the properties are one thing. I mean, okay. So that, that I a hundred percent agree with Dave. Second part though, is if you're using something like, I don't know, nth last child three or something to do to, to target something that then you then apply layout to, and it ends up to, like borking the layout of your site. Cause you used a CSS three selector. Yeah. Well, there's selectivizer, same Use deal that. with CSS pie. I do recommend that, or just you know, just lay off the CSS three selectors a little bit and use a class name or something. Like if 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 your browser target is IE seven, you just you might just have to adjust your authoring a bit to just to just lay off some of the CSS three stuff. I mean, that's what I would say on that. You know, mm -hmm. uh, progressive enhancement if you can pull it off, or or just you know, author around it if you can't. Yeah. I mean, I think with, yeah, I, <laughs> these lower IEs are hopefully going to disappear as fast as possible. So, um, yeah, buy somebody a new computer. There you go. <laughs> it's the cheapest way out of this whole pinch. All right. Aaron Fisher writes in, what's currently the best way to handle retina images? I know some of this can be solved with SVG, but what about the image when the image has to be a JPEG? Sure classic question by Aaron Fisher. I'm glad that you even mentioned, I'm going to start the timer here so we don't screw this up. Uh, SVG is super fantastic for anything vectory and even gradients and stuff. Totally possible on SVG. Anything that you can really work an illustrator with, if you can picture that is great for SVG and that's great for retina. But Aaron is correctly asking, what about raster images? Like a JPEG. Uh, Dave's written about this before. So yeah, uh, over on the list of part, I wrote an article called Mo Pixels, Mo Problems uh, that tackles a lot of this. Um, there's a few things you can do in JPEG realm. So it starts off like being very simple, you know, getting over to vector, icon fonts, etc. But then uh, the, the JPGs are the problem. There's kind of three things you can do. Um, picture fill which is you export a bunch of different copies of the photo at different resolutions, and then you put that into the browser. I like that one for big graphics. Um, uh, there's this one I wrote about called, uh, what's it called? The 1.5 X hack, where you make an image just a little bit bigger than one X. Uh, and then retina and high, re high def screens tend to do uh, really well with upscaling these images um, with just a little bit of more pixel information. And then the third one, which is called the quality um, or compression hack, I guess. And so basically you make a 2X image, right? And then you set the JPEG compression to basically zero or whatever you want. And it ends up being smaller than the 1X. It looks all funky and grunky, but in the site, it's actually perfect. It renders beautifully. Really weird. Um, it's bizarre. It's un. There are I don't rendering understand. costs with having the browser resize images for you, which should be considered a little bit. But I don't yeah. know. Hopefully, browsers can can just get out. They know that we now do that like in mass. Like every website on the internet is resizing images in the browser now. So they should make that 
a part of their flexibility kind of operandi their- to get on that. Uh, I should mention there's a post on CSS Tricks called Which Responsive Images Solution Should I Use that walks through what are your needs. And based on those needs, hopefully I can suggest a solution for you. There's one of them at adaptive-images.com that um, I feel like is, is a pretty cool solution that kind of saves some browser information in a cookie. And then in the cookie, then that gets passed with every web request. So you can make server-side decisions based on that data, and it will, like, serve the proper image from the server side. So there's there's no JavaScript involved in, like, swapping out sources or anything. I think that's pretty neat. Yeah, I, I'm. I need to try that just on something. I I haven't. And There's I feel some bad. CDN issues with it and stuff. I actually mm-hmm. need to revisit it too. It's just such a. It, it, it's. I feel like it's months and months and months go by, and we're no closer to a, a really perfect solution for this. Yeah. Yep. I agree. Okay. Good luck, Aaron. Pichar. All right. Dennis LeBlanc writes in and says, uh, why is it whenever I use that font face web fonts, um, my text looks bolder than in the demos. My font face declaration property is set to font weight normal. And so in the font face declaration, it's font weight normal, which is what you're supposed to do. And I'll even go the extra distance to add font weight normal to each element in the CSS file, but I still get thicker fonts shown in the demos am i missing something is it just my os and my browser i feel like i'm the only guy with this problem <laughs> that's awesome few it's things like, quick <laughs> yeah dear abby i'm the only guy with this problem no. <laughs> i love it here we go i wish we could come up with an acronym for his day like dear deloid or you know, i don't know how you know, oh, okay i'm gonna shut up uh <laughs> yeah dear lonely in seattle <laughs> One problem is are using Firefox, I tend to see that fire that fonts get a little boldy boldy in Firefox. So mm-hmm. if it's Firefox, that may just be the way it is. Second is um I actually didn't know you're supposed to put font weight normal not at font face declaration, but I guess that makes sense. But then when you declare it, like let's say you're using Proxy Manova from Typekit, Proxy mm-hmm. Manova has like a zillion weights to it. Like, are you for sure using the proper font weight for the ones that you have loaded? Like let's say you exactly. picked like semi bold. That's font weight 300. Are you like for sure setting font weight 300 on that thing? Or is it, is it somehow getting full bolded? And I think Chrome these days is pretty smart about not doing that. But right. you never know about who knows what browser you're in. I, I thought I, on my site, I was doing, I was using Open Sans from Google, or Google Web Fonts. And I, I thought Firefox was just being stupid. I was like, Firefox is a dummy. But it turns out I was not I was specifying the wrong way. I had 100 written and it needed to be 200. And there you go. I was I was the dummy. So that be time. very careful about what font weights you load. If you use something like Typekit, will show you will tell you what font weight uh, is in the font. And it could be it could be weird, you know. And, mm-hmm. and you should definitely be specific about it because I'm not even sure how consistent like B and strong and M and I and stuff are about font weight in the UA style sheet. Like usually yeah. it's 400, right? And bold is 800, I think, or maybe it's 400 and 700. I don't remember. You uh, should specify those. You too. should just, just, I like to, I don't even use bold and bolder and that stuff anymore. I, I'm all about the, the 100, 200, 300, 400, 500, 600, whatever. Mm-hmm. I like just specifying exactly uh, what that is. So that's all I got for you uh, about the bolding thing. I think that's all I got to. I'm trying to think if there's anything like random. Oh, right now, 
in my, you know, browser thing, like Chrome on Windows is kind of the worst renderer right now. Just totally. Oh, and, so and bad. So, oh, uh, dude, I get screenshots all the time, even with my awesome web fonts that look beautiful everywhere else. Like, like you're using HF and J, which is the best fonts you can use, right? Right. And like you're getting jacked crap from it. Chrome on Windows, disaster. So, I would say if your fonts were too thin, it might be that you have – there's some kind of CSS3 transform being applied, which in WebKit browsers can thin out fonts. But mm-hmm. you're not. You're saying they're thick. So, Yeah. Anyway, there you go. That's it. Um, good luck. One more. The very last one here. Chris right. Amling asks – Hi, guys. I have a CSS fixed position question for you. I created a site that has a navigation that's stuck to the top with position fixed. The width of the container is 960, but if someone comes to the site with a smaller browser, the navigation is getting cut off. So he's got some design that's as navigation on the top that just cuts off outside of the browser. Uh, he's not worried about 800 by 600 users, which I guess nor should you be. Well, okay. But I found that the iPad users have the same problem. If if they zoom in, so he's got this fixed position bar up there, and if they zoom in with their fingers, people just can't get to the upper right stuff. Anyway, mm-hmm. uh, anyway, what's the deal? What, how can Chris deal with this? Um, so there's two sort of ways. Um, if I'm remembering this right, um, one thing you could do, I assume you want it to be 960 on everything, right? Um, so in your uh, meta viewport tag, you could actually say width equals 960 pixels. Oh, yeah. It's oft- oh, that's clever. So uh, often you say device width, but you could say, no, I want it to be 960. Yeah. Suck it. I made it this way. <laughs> or you could do, <laughs> that's how I talked to <laughs> everybody. <laughs> Everyone. Uh, suck it. <laughs> um, okay. So uh, don't flag us as explicit. Come on, listener. Um, we're having a good time here and you're going to ruin it. Um, so, uh, you could also set a width on the body. Maybe that might help. Um, but yeah. So then there would be some, Oh no, that wouldn't work at all. Actually. Huh? Uh, I, what you may want to do is set like can code up your, your fixed navigation thing in a fluid manner. Yeah, so if it if you, if your the window's too narrow, it just breaks and goes down yeah. to two lines or whatever. Look at the navigation on CSS Tricks for an example of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. The weird thing is zooming in on the iPad; it gets cut off. I mean, yeah, it's gonna because you know it's like when you zoom in on something on an iPad, it just it's like full page zoom, you know. Mm-hmm. So the mm-hmm. fact that they can't see the right side of the navigation isn't that big of a deal because they're used to things not being appearing on the page. You just zoom back out if you need to go to that thing. So unless I'm misunderstanding that, that's a bit of a weird, well, maybe it's a portrait mode where only be one 768 pixels. Oh, like if you're zoomed all the way out, it's still cut off. Yeah. That would be the problem. That would be the problem. Um, you know, you may need to apply a little bit of responsive web design just to that little thing. I'm looking at the accessibility project, which has that fixed thing. And yeah, it like goes to the, the drop down and it's only absolute under 960 pixels. It's not fixed. Yeah. So that would solve your problem. Yeah. And just careful about position fixed in general. Yeah. Like that's a, it's been a, like, I, I'm, I'm an offender of that in, in some cases, but, uh, uh, you know, if you need to go way back with mobile support, that is a quagmire. Yeah, it's a bit of a it's a bit it, 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 it's a bit of a scumbag right now. So with all the androids and everything, so 
Careful out there, there be dragons. That's all we got. So people, let us know what you thought of this. We actually got through 15 questions here in a reasonable amount of time. So uh, did you like this format? Was it too fast? Would you prefer us to a deeper dive or or what? But And if we didn't answer your question enough, send it back in. <laughs> <laughs> well, that concludes yet another <laughs> rapid fire. Chris, you got anything you need mm-hmm. to add? I'm... Of course, you guys need to follow us on Chop Talk Show, at Chop Talk Show on Twitter. Uh, subscribe in iTunes. Rate us a five. And don't, please don't. I know I said those little, that mean phrase earlier. Don't, you know, don't flag us. Come on. You said suck, didn't you? Is that bad? Yeah, I, but it's that could be vulgar. I apologize. I don't think that will kill us. All I right. They had that in, like, what's that movie of the guy where he's with the eggs and in prison or whatever. <laughs> Go suck an egg. Suck an egg. A, we'll get our audio guy to <laughs> fill that in. <laughs> Choptalkshow.com. Uh,